Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. Here is where I'd like to begin. First of all, we live in profane times, and profane times sometimes call for profane language. I just want to make this abundantly clear a couple of things here. First of all, this podcast is explicit. It is listed as explicit. And from time to time, I curse. I'm not necessarily proud of that, but it happens. So usually it occurs, of course, when my frustration level reaches a particular point and then a line gets crossed and then there you go. What I also don't do is pull punches when it comes to criminal people. And I'm not, I'm not going to pull punches when it comes to criminality either. So here's what I will say. My apologies to anybody who is put off by the cursing that goes on from time to time. It's not every episode, clearly, and I'll do my best to not do it in this episode just to see if I can do it, because I'm certain I can. But at the exact same time, profane times call for profane language, and we have to call out not just people but organizations, and we have to use a particular tone, I think, and certainly not one that is passive, because it's our passivity that has been the problem here for a very long time. And keeping people asleep is exactly what Satan wants to do, and uh, he doesn't want to. He basically doesn't want us to use our voices, let alone our own language, and certainly not uh, our intelligence or even anger in order to get a message across to remind people that they need to find their spines, and that they should never cower to again any kind of illegality or criminality. So, with that said. Allow me to dive in here very quickly. I've got a few, uh, well, actually, I just have a ton of stuff to bring up here, much like the last episode, but I'm going to do my best to make this as organized as I can. In fact, I want to start off with this. This is a quick reference back. It's it's medical related, and I'm going to leave that, of course, for the end, but I do want to mention this right off the bat. If you haven't seen the last war video, the one before this episode, I highly recommend and go to go back and watch it. I even, I believe, have, well, I, I may not, but I, I, I know for a fact that the clip is 12 minutes long, and it's an older man sitting at a table, and he's being filmed, and he's a doctor, apparently in Ohio, and he's talking about organ donation and what organ donation really is, and what he openly admits is, is that in the state of Ohio, you are an organ donor basically by default, whether you know it or not. That in order for you to not be, you have to provide the DMV with paperwork that says that you do not want to be an organ donor. But it's separate paperwork than the paperwork that they offer, apparently, in the DMV. I'm sorry, BMV. You're of uh, motor vehicles. I know, what I'm, I know what I'm saying. Anyway. What he openly admits in the in the video, in the 12-minute video, which again is at the tail end of the war video uh, most recently, not the new one that's, that's going to come out here, but the, most, the previous one, is that he says that in order to acquire organs, the patient has to be alive, that they do not acquire organs from cadavers, from dead people. So they have to keep the person alive while they are cutting the organs out of the person. They keep the blood flowing, they keep the oxygen in, they manually create the heart pumping, whatever it may be. So if you didn't know that, 
I would I I certainly would trust the guy. No reason for him to lie. And uh and he openly admits that and he dives in again more specifically into the business of even the Narcan shots and naloxone that is given to drug addicts. The naloxone is designed to keep the patient alive to get them to the hospital so that they can ultimately seize their organs when they die or seize their organs when they cease to cease to be alive and then they will resuscitate them through uh artificial means and then there you go so the whole narcan thing and that entire narcan lie about giving it to you know drug addicts and it helps keep drug addicts alive and it's good for society if we keep drug addicts alive as it turns out it's all for the purpose of organ harvesting which of course as we know is huge business and there are various reasons as to why these organs are harvested, but most of it has to do with money. So I just wanted to mention that. And again, if you're interested in listening to that audio and watching that video, it's on the previous war video. And there you go. Okay. With that said, a couple of uh, return things here from 9-11. I made an interesting observation the other day. And again, you may say, as I'm talking about this, you may say, you know, Sean, you spend way too much time on the internet. You need to get outside. Well, I would say this. I spend the majority of my time outside, and this actually only took me about five minutes. In fact, it was less than that in order to arrive at this conclusion. You've heard me reference this person before, and again, I assume that they are a male, but I follow Ultra Peppy Lives Matter on Telegram, and I take a look at their posts very quickly, and then every now and again, I'll get into the comments section based on something that they say, and I'll, I'll again, sort of smile, and then I'll say, oh, I bet these comments are going to be interesting, and then I get into the comments section. Because again, if you're on Telegram, and you make a post, and you allow for comments, you clearly have to allow what blowback you're going to receive. Well, as it turns out, yesterday they made this post, which again was on 9-11. But they made the post at, uh, at 10.15 in the morning, and they said the following, quote, I can't believe people actually believe the no-plane CGI 9-11 theory when there was thousands and thousands of people there watching and filming the event in real time. You guys don't actually believe that there were no planes, do you? Question mark. And then they put in parentheses, I believe it was thermite bombs all the way down on each floor. The planes were a diversion from what I understand, unquote. What happened next in the comments section was very revealing and very interesting. So first of all, in their comment alone, they make an accusation based on something that they don't understand themselves which we're all guilty of, and I don't blame this person, but they, again, make an accusation. You don't actually believe this, do you? I've done the same thing and probably will still do the same thing, but when it comes to the business of what went on during 9-11, if a person applies the scientific method over and over and over again, you're going to arrive at a number of conclusions. One of those conclusions you're ultimately going to arrive at is that you can't find a conclusion on every possible scenario regarding all of the involvement in 9-11. Eventually, you'll just arrive at the base floor 
which is essentially Satanism. And you'll go, okay, it's Satanism. It's money, it's war, it's Satanism, it's a ritual. Got it. And then you'll arrive at that. The details throughout are certainly worth investigating and certainly interesting. In fact, very quickly, I'll go through my quick realization that there were no planes on 9-11 because I consistently applied the scientific method over and over and over again to arrive at at the logical conclusion that there were no planes on 9-11. And then I'll get into the comments and what Ultra Pepe Lives Matter did and said and attempted to, again, basically cover up the, the accusation that they made. And then, of course, the comments that other people were making. First of all, I was actually upset when I realized that we had been lied to about 9-11. I mean, I physically got upset. I stopped myself from crying. I, ch- I got choked up for a minute, and I, it was actually when I was telling my dad about what went on because he looked at me when I was in graduate school, and he said, so what are you learning? Because he knew that I was learning way more than just education-related things or school-related things. I mean, I was going down every conceivable rabbit hole you could possibly imagine. And I turned to him, and I looked at him, and I said, uh, 9-11. I said, it isn't what we thought. And then I said, there were no planes on 9-11. And that's when I got kind of choked up, and I stopped. And he and I, this right here, again, is beautiful, because this will tell you about my parents. Again, they're in their mid-70s and wide awake. They questioned the Kennedy assassination all the way back then. And certainly when they lived in Texas, they questioned the entire thing. Because, of course, they set up the museums there in Dallas and the whole thing. Anyway, he's, w- without hesitation, he turned and he looked at me and he said, really? And I said, yeah. And he said, show me what you got. Just like that. There was no argument. There was no, you're a fool. Because again, we have to keep in mind, this happens within families all of the time. A wiser family member will approach either their other family members, their their own spouses, their kids, their friends, and they'll present them something that's factually accurate. But because it goes against what they previously perceived to be true, they immediately deny it, and then they'll name call, and they won't ask any further questions. That wasn't the case with my dad. He looked at me and he said, show me what you got. I said, you want want to see this stuff? He said, absolutely. So I showed him. Sat down on the couch, showed him the stuff on his TV, and and bam, that was it. And he, he, he just, he was blown away, blown away. But again, absorbed it like most of us tend to absorb it. And certainly from an investigative standpoint and an education standpoint and a thousand other things. And again, my mom was the exact same way. Show me. I want to see this stuff. So my, my trip through there being no planes on 9-11 had to do with me going, okay, I'm seeing these videos where there are some people saying that there are no planes and that it was CGI. But then there's these other people over here saying that there were planes but that it wasn't a passenger plane, that it was a military plane loaded with explosives, and that there were no passengers, but maybe there was a singular pilot. And then that story, again, constantly reapplying the scientific method, turned into, well, those planes can be remote controlled. So it's conceivable that there wouldn't be a pilot. 
keeping in mind that I've already seen footage that describes the planes being CGI, and that this is highly conceivable because the only plane that anybody really saw was the one on their TV, allegedly hitting the second tower. So, ultimately, again, without sort of stepping on my own tongue here, I, I basically just arrived at that conclusion that there are no planes. There were no planes. And now I've seen endless footage of there being no planes taken from camcorders from people who were there, and there's clearly no planes. Like I said in the last episode, though, and I don't want to spend this entire time on 9-11, so trust me, I'm coming to a conclusion here. But th- there were two videos that are, that are actually notorious now. One of them came out last year, and the other one has existed almost since the beginning. And the first one from even way back then was, was CGI. And what it was is it was an individual filming the first tower be hit by what, per, what was perceived to be a plane. So this individual is on the ground and they're filming firefighters who are down the street. And then you hear on the, on the, on the video what sounds like a plane a typical plane going overhead, and then you see this plane allegedly hitting the building and then the explosion, and then the firefighters and everybody are like, whoa, what the hell was that? That right there again was also CGI. Because again, aluminum, which is what planes are made of, don't go through steel buildings. They don't even go into steel buildings, let alone tip them over. So that didn't happen. Wouldn't matter how much fuel was on the plane. The old reference I've used is is if you filled up a, a can of Coca-Cola with gasoline and you put a fuse in it and you set it on fire, you can't throw it through a 57 Buick. You just can't. Those cars were made of steel. I mean, you can't, you, you, you can't do that. So that video, again, was a purposeful misdirection on the part of the enemy because they know that you can edit videos, put a plane in, and so on and so forth. And again, slow it down and speed it up and do what you need to do. And you can also add audio. So there's that old video. Last year, a video came out, and even Ron Unts of the Unts Report has this wrong. Bless his heart, but he's wrong. He thinks that there were planes on 9-11, and there were not. He even showed this second video on his website just the other day. And he said, see, look at this video. This is undeniable. The second video is the one that I described to you in the last in the last episode where another guy on the other end of of the second tower before the second tower is hit you see this plane come in and and hit the tower the guy's filming he turns around and he just so happens to be panning past individuals that are that are on the street and on this pier and then he looks up sees this plane and goes whoa and then bang, what this appears to be a passenger plane this time, silver in nature, hits the second tower. This too is CGI. Because even in that video, the camcorder holder, the, the film, filmographer, he's, he's filming it and he goes, did you see that plane? And they were like, no. And he goes, oh yeah, a plane just went into the second building. And somebody goes, I didn't hear a plane. And they're like, oh, no, I got it on film. I I got it all right here. And so, bang, there you have it. Now, if you look at that second film, what's interesting is is that 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 plane 
okay, which of course was CGI'd, looks nothing like the original one that we all saw on TV. It's not even close. I mean, they were that bad with their second version of their CGI story. The airplane in that second video that I just described was clearly silver. It was clearly a United Airlines plane. But that wasn't the one we saw on TV that we were all shown in the media. That, the, the one that we were shown on television looked black. And all of the footage of it, even from a distance with the sun shining, it still looked black. My point is, is if you don't think that CGI has improved from 2021, I'm sorry, 2001 to now, well, you're not paying attention, basically. I mean, it's just one of the things that, that does exist. CGI has dramatically improved. So, with that said, that was basically my entire trip down the no planes on 9-11. Not to mention, you look at footage of plane wreckage. Didn't happen at the Pentagon. I've seen all the, uh, the Pentagon footage from people on the ground. No planes, no parts, no fuselage, no engines, no, no seats, no tail wing, nothing. Nothing there. Same thing in Pennsylvania. The carve that existed in that field in Pennsylvania was there before 9-11. It was like a ditch. It was a giant ditch. And Google Maps proved it, even from back in the day. So, even with that in place, and then of course the footage from the Pentagon, that's not going to stop the enemy from continuing to come on social media and lie about what went on that day. They're always going to do that. They always rehearse and revisit these fake stories because they have to. So I saw a Twitter post the other day from someone. They're sitting in the passenger side of their car. They're kind of an older, grizzled guy. Again, clearly disinformation. I hate to use that word, but it's clearly a psyop, this, this individual. Probably works for the government. And, uh, and they were like, hey, man, look, I was there at the Pentagon. I saw the bodies. I saw the plane parts. I was there. I was responsible for cleaning up the mess. There were plane parts everywhere. No, there weren't. No, there weren't. But that person has to put that out there to confuse people. That's the whole point. The constant confusion, of course, as we know, is the devil's play. That's always going to be here. It's always going to exist. You just have to learn to see through it, past it, over it, beyond it, and then ascend to a higher level to where you're looking down on it and you go, yeah, whatever. And then you just pass by it because you know that something else is going on. So with Ultra Pepe Lives Matter and that, and that statement that he made about, you don't actually believe this, do you? The comments section in his telegram, he just got shredded. Everybody was going, are you serious? You can't be serious. There were no planes. The vast majority of the comments, and I mean like 90%, were no planes. And then the footage that people were dropping in his comments section were, was footage of there not being any planes. Now, I understand the opposite angle. Somebody would say, well, Sean, they can clearly delete planes on video, just like they add planes on video. And why wouldn't the no planes narrative be, be a psyop in itself and, and you know a distraction? Well, that's possible until you take into account physics and the fact that you can't throw a soda can filled with gasoline and a, and a, and a, you know, a, a 
the fuse attached to it through a 57 Buick. You can't do that. It's impossible. It's not going to tip over a 57 Buick. So that's ultimately the conclusion that one arrives at. Then what was interesting with Ultra Peppy Lives Matter was just the way in which he spent basically the rest of 9-11 on Telegram trying to prove to people that he knows things. Look, we know that this is a knowledgeable person. This is an awake individual, whoever they are. And as one person said in the comments section, they said, are you asking this for us to provide information in your, in your uh, comments section about what really went on with the planes and, and all of 9-11? I mean, we were already doing that, but I wonder if you know you really don't know about this or are you playing devil's advocate in order to stimulate a response? It's hard to know one way or another. But the response from them, again, they were trying to answer as many comments as they could, and then they were, again, spending the rest of the day trying to prove to people, again, that they know a lot of stuff. We know that it's a knowledgeable person, whoever they are. I wish that these people would identify themselves. But either way, uh, th that was just an interesting revelation. And that right there, again, I've already spent over 21 minutes on it, but you get what I'm saying, that the learning never stops. We can make accusations, we can point fingers, we can arrive at certain conclusions, but we also have to listen to one another, and we have to have a cordial conversation back and forth. And fortunately for us, that's what we do. We, we do those kinds of things. We look for the real answers. I mean, think of all the people who don't. Think of all of the people who, again, spend their time on endless other subjects and put so much energy into endless other subjects that really don't matter, which really leads me to the crux of, of the beginning of this show, even though, again, I'm 22 minutes in here, but it has to do with the business of backsliding into the matrix. And I'm, I'm going to start off with this. And, and you've seen, uh, you, well, you know who this person is, and I've played audio from them before, in particular in this context, which is why I'm, I'm revisiting it. Bread and circus involvement and participation in bread and circus, okay, sports watching, round ball, and all that stuff, all that, all that pomp and circumstance, and all of that uh, false idol worship, and the money laundering, and the you know the scripted games, and the fixing of games, and all of it, the entire the entire profession of of bread and circus. For me personally, as a guy who used to watch sports and doesn't anymore, it really turns my stomach when I see sports, when I hear people talk about it, and when I hear people talk about it with a level of importance that clearly proves to us who are awake that they still live in the matrix and that they are dead asleep. It's, it's really sickening to me. Uh, and, and it's disturbing because, again, we are awake and we can clearly see that they are not. So I'm going to mention this brief story, and then I'm going to play a little piece of audio from Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen, of course, used to be an employee with ESPN. He has his own show. You know, Rich Eisen's sort of the know-it-all in the sports world, so he thinks, and, and whatever else. Rich Eisen was probably the kid who got swirlied in the bathroom and picked on constantly, but now that he's in the sports world because he couldn't play it himself, you know, he thinks that uh, he's the cat's pajamas. So 
I want to make something abundantly clear here before I play that audio. And I and I actually mentioned that story. It was even in Pepe Lives Matters Telegram account the day before 9-11 when, when they were talking about Novak Djokovic and, oh, look, he won the U.S. Open and what a hero he is. And he was unjabbed and, uh, you know, he's such a hero for, for being unjabbed. And look, this is what being unjabbed will get you. You know, persistence and hard work and standing up for, okay. I mean, we got it. I don't worship tennis. I don't watch tennis. I don't care. It seems again that everybody's forgotten that Novak Djokovic uh, took numerous pictures around satanic imagery for a very long time. People have tied him to Freemasonry. It's almost like everybody just kind of forgets that. But I got into the into the comments section and I said it's really disappointing how many people still pay attention to the bread and circus nonsense. You're worshiping false idols and you're wasting your money on something that doesn't matter. Now. Before I get into the responses that I got, I want to make something abundantly clear. There is a big difference between playing a sport for the purpose of exercise when you are a youth. I fully understand that. You want to be physically active. You want to play a sport. You know, okay, go for it. But you get to play a sport and still be an awake human being. And you, and you get to play a sport as a youth if you choose to. But you still should be an awake human being because if you're just playing the sport just because to either get friends or get laid or whatever it is, that's the, that's the wrong motivation. That's not the motivation to do it. I did it for exercise and because I liked, I liked playing. Of course, then I didn't play and then I stopped playing uh, and I stopped even trying out and I stopped caring about the whole thing. But I applaud the people who are good at it and again, good for them. Most people put the games down eventually. And if a person really did a deep dive on the bread and circus and how corrupt it all is, and I'll bring up some examples here in a minute, they too would put it down in an instant. You would think that the Black Lives Matter, let's all hold a giant black ribbon, let's all take a knee, let's all put Black Lives Matter on the backs of our jerseys. You would think that all of that in 2020 would have woken up enough people that what you were watching was actually a controlled ritual. And it did wake up a lot of people. It disgusted endless people, as you may recall. Endless people put down the bread and circus, they burned their jerseys, they threw their stuff away, they sold their memorabilia like me, and they did all kinds of stuff. They, they, they got rid of it. Again, I stopped watching sports before 2020, but 2020 was the last straw. So that's when, that's when I started to sell off autographed baseballs and things like that. The, the point is, is that when I made that comment on, on Ultra Peppy Lives Matters Telegram, the resp- I got a couple of responses back from two people, and it was astounding. And this, was, this is the backsliding into the matrix. One person said, they actually said this, and I'm, I'm, it's almost a direct quote. I don't have it at my fingertips, but it's almost a direct quote. They said, I used to be cynical like you, and I used to read a lot, but fortunately for me, I've found a healthy balance. I suggest you do the same. And I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. First of all, that's not cynicism. What I just said in the comments section was, was very simple, poignant, it was accurate, and it's not cynical. Again, this is the backsliding into the matrix that I find disappointing. 
that person finds their way to Ultra Peppy Lives Matter on Telegram in the comments section, but they're defending their own participation in, in, in watching a sport, sitting on a couch, eating and drinking, and doing whatever it is that they do. And then again, not, not seeing the hypocrisy in that. So I responded back and I said, well, I said, it's not cynicism. It's a, it's a free Masonic game. It's rigged. It's scripted. It's, uh, it's bought. People gamble on it, including the players themselves who play the game. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, you know, Pete Rose doesn't have anything on these people. Okay, Pete Rose bet on bet on games before it was fashionable. The nineteen nineteen Blacks, uh, uh, you know, White Sox called the Black Sox, of course, but they were the White Sox. Same thing. I mean, they, they did it before it was fashionable. I mean, they were throwing games. What's going on now is the same thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna reference this one particular uh, this one piece of video, which was on Lynn Wood's channel, because Lynn Wood knows that the whole thing is fake too, and that they're all bought. There's a particular audio that's bouncing around, and I think it's on my cell phone, but it's a uh, it's a Denver Broncos defensive player, and they're on the goal line, and they're again playing against some other team. But the running back of the other team that's about to score at the goal line, they get the ball, and they're running right toward the free safety, who's basically on the line of scrimmage and coming up right to the person. The running back is holding the ball in one hand, and with his other hand, he gives a thumbs up, and he moves his arm and elbow and wrist in an upward direction, right to the face of the defending player who's about to tackle him. Now, if you've ever played football or watched it, you know that they always coach you to go low when you tackle somebody. Go low. You hit them as low as you can, and you, and you tackle them in an upward position and push them back. This running back makes an upward symbol with his, with his thumb in the air, as if to say, go high. And that's exactly what happened. The defensive player sort of stops, goes high for the guy's head with his whole body. And the running back sim- simply just ducks down, slips right past him, underneath him, and scores. Just like that. They're giving each other hand signals on the field of play to manipulate people into believing that what you're watching is authentic, and it isn't. These individuals, again, are either running on a script or they're gambling with one another, even on opposing teams. Hey, if we go up against each other, uh, let me score past you or let me do this or let me do that and uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make some bets and blah, blah, blah. That happens, ladies and gentlemen, all of the time. It's actually worse than bread and circus. It is a complete illusion. What you're watching with sports is a total gaslighting illusion. Even again with the instant replay, they brought that in in an effort to convince people, look, we have instant replay. We're showing people what's actually going on. What instant replay has done is is it's actually brainwashed more people into believing that what they're watching, they're convincing themselves then that what they're seeing isn't really happening. And then they kicked it up a notch when they brought in the the ability in the NFL and in sports to challenge plays. Well, we have video footage now, and now we can challenge these plays and we can go back to the video footage. Ladies and gentlemen, if it's on video and a particular thing happens one way and they still make the wrong call in the opposite way, you're being gaslit. That's abuse. 
So again, my point is, is that I'm not going to participate in that. And I consider it backsliding into the matrix when people revert back or rationalize their participation in a particular thing because they think that, well, it's okay and there's a healthy balance there and you can do both and whatever else. I mean, again, I see a sporting event on a TV and I see people staring at it. I stand back and I look at this and I say to myself, what is going on here? These people haven't learned a thing. They haven't learned a thing. So this gets me into the most recent example. And this right here again is is perfect audio that describes the brainwashing of people. And it's so disgusting. The other night, the New York Jets were apparently playing. Aaron Rodgers is is now their quarterback. People seem to think that this matters. Apparently, Aaron Rodgers tears his Achilles tendon now, and he's out for the season. He goes down to the ground, he tries to stand up, he stands there, and then he sits back down. They take an injury timeout, then they come and they get him, and he limps off the field. Oh my God, our world has crumbled. Keep in mind, this is happening the same day as 9 11, and the anniversary of the Benghazi attacks also. Let's not forget Benghazi, ladies and gentlemen. Let's not forget that entire charade also. I mean, that really happened, but the story behind it is horrific. Anyway, as that's all taking place, the whole sports world is holding their breath for what will happen with Aaron Rodgers. Enter Rich Eisen. Here's the audio I'm going to play of Rich Eisen at the conclusion of the game where apparently the New York Jets won in overtime. I don't care, but Rich Eisen cares, and he cares a lot. And he cares a lot about the wrong thing. Because if Americans cared this much, the way that Rich does about the New York Jets, if Americans and humans cared that much, about the fact that Satan runs everything and you're all being lied to, Satan wouldn't have a place to live anymore on earth. He would be gone. But it's the likes of Rich Eisen and these people like, again, the Deion Sanderses of the world who put all their chips into, into playing football and trying to be popular and this, that, and the other. And again, Even Deion Sanders invokes the word or attempts to be a preacher and invoke the word of God with regularity. Me personally, I think he's a hypocrite and he's jabbed, which means if Deion dies, because he's already medically falling apart, if Deion Sanders dies, that entire show in Colorado goes away in the blink of an eye. And I'm going to get into that here in just a little bit too, but here's Rich Eisen. Again, listen to the seriousness in his voice in three, Two, one. Okay. I know a lot of people want an instant reaction. So my instant reaction is I'm spent. I'm I literally aged uh, ten years. Um, I don't I don't know what I just saw because the first four snaps is exactly what I was used to seeing for fifty four years, and then the last quarter and overtime is something I'm not used to seeing. Um, So I'm going to take the night. I'm going to get some rest. I'm going to take what I poured as medication earlier on tonight and sit back and enjoy something I don't quite understand. The Jets just won, right? 
I mean, Aaron Rodgers went out four snaps into his Jets career, and the Jets just still won in overtime anyway on a walk-off punt, you know, like the Patriots did to them last year in Zach Wilson, which led to Rodgers. I still don't get it. I don't, I don't quite understand what I saw. So I'm going to take the day. I'll take the night. I'll take the overnight. I'll take the morning. I'll take the morning. I'm, gonna, I'm not taking tomorrow off. I'm not. I'll be there at the Rich Eisen show in the morning gathering myself. But in the meantime, I'm just going to have a sip. My friend Joe. Yeah, baby. Let me revisit what you just heard there. He, of course, as you know, is placing a lot of emphasis on something that does not matter. That's number one. It's just emotional misplacement, which is really terrible. Number two, he's dead asleep. We all know it. This is all he knows is sports and sports broadcasting and his opinion. And that's really all sports is. It's opinions based on things that aren't real. Number three, he makes a direct implication that the end of the game occurred or that the entire game basically looked like a previous game that had existed a year before almost to a T based on injuries in particular positions and then the way that the game ended allegedly. I have no idea what he's referencing because I don't watch sports. So I don't know what he's talking about and I don't care. What I see in his face is utter confusion over something that doesn't matter. Again, he he can't conceive that it's possible that what he's watching is a script. That you're just watching this giant satanic script and this giant satanic ritual take place in front of you while you waste your time and energy being sucked into something that doesn't matter. And then of course he's got his glass of wine and he walks over to his wall which is loaded with sports memorabilia and autographed pictures, and then he leans up against a picture of him and Joe Namath shaking hands that's autographed personally to him like he's some flippin' big shot. Okay? This is the problem. And that kind of emphasis on things that don't matter exists everywhere. It's everywhere. It's in the education system. It's in the workplace. It's in people not learning, not paying attention to what really matters. This is an ever-present issue. This This is not a thing that's going to go away. In fact, let me mention this now, because this right here is another move that the Bread and Circus charade has done in an effort to get more people to pay attention to the game. Now, they understand that it's going to cause individuals to be disgusted by it and leave, but they also made this move a couple years ago because they thought that it was the fair and right thing and just thing to do because, quote-unquote, college athletes are being taken advantage of, in particular when it comes to reproducing their likeness, either in video games, on T-shirts, or whatever else. You're probably aware now that college football players and any anybody in a in a college sport can now make money and be a multimillionaire at the end of a single season of play which really again is just a few months of play or 6 months of play i personally again i put this on gab i personally find this disgusting 
Paying college athletes, I think, is disgusting. So let me read what I said here and then the tweet that I referenced. I said, I may be alone in this, but I find this disgusting. It said, from this particular article I found, on June 30th of 2021, the Division I Board of Directors approved an interim name, image and likeness, referred to as NIL policy. The NIL. It says this new policy allows the NCAA Division I, II, and III student athletes to be compensated for their NIL, their name, image, and likeness, as of July 1st of 2021, regardless of whether their state has an NIL law in place or not. So the tweet that I referenced then is from NFL Rookie Watch at NFL Rookie Watch, and it says the following regarding Shadur Sanders, which is Deion Sanders' son who plays quarterback for Colorado. It says Shadur Sanders is now projected to make $3.8 million through the NIL this season alone. That is up $2.5 million from before his breakout game against TCU. Sanders' projected NIL earnings is $2 million more than Dak Prescott's base salary this season, who he plays in the NFL, of course, which is $1.7 million. And then nearly $3 million more than Joe Burrows' base salary, which is $1.01 million. And also nearly $3 million more than both Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence's base salaries this season at roughly the same amount of money. And then it ended by saying, the Sanders name prints money. I think this is all disgusting on a variety of levels. Because everybody knows that football and basketball are two sports that are dominated by African-American players. Okay? We all know that. That's a fact. On top of that, They also know that those two sports bring in more money than probably all the other sports combined. That as a singular sport, whether it be basketball or just football, men's in particular, that that they bring in more money individually than all the other sports do collectively. There's no way that a swimmer is going to walk away with millions necessarily, whereas a football player would. Even the football player who, again, is a lineman or something, or on special teams, they'll, they'll even be bringing in money, in particular, with, of course, how better they play. Now, who is this really designed to benefit? I mean, it's probably, it was probably designed to ultimately benefit minority players, black players, in these sports, on purpose, because they know that they dominate the sports and they want them to have money, you know, because of equity. And that whole equity push. That's what was going on behind the scenes here. That was, the, that was the real motive in my head. I feel like that was clearly the real motive behind all of this. The sad part is that they're still taking college classes next to someone who's having to work two and three jobs just to barely get by while they'll spend the next 20 years after college trying to pay off student loans. So I'm not advocating for communism. I'm simply saying that the money injection into sport play at the collegiate level 
is designed to get more people to watch it who are money hungry. If that doesn't sound like Satan, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what does. That's the whole point. It's designed to trick people, but again, I don't know how a person can watch it with a clear conscience. Now, that's just my two cents. I could be wrong, but again, I view all of this as backsliding into the matrix. And the people that are consistently trying to brainwash people and control the way that they think, they're constantly trying to make different moves and and play that shell game and shift things around in order to keep interest up because they know that they're losing interest with a great deal of people. In fact, again, I remember Cicely in New Mexico sending me an article recently, and she and it was a direct article that was talking about the complete reshuffling of collegiate sports within these conferences. Something about the University of Texas is now going to be in the SEC when they've always been in the Big 12 or something along those lines. Again, it, it, none of it matters is, is, the, is the interesting part, but it's the constant reshuffling of the rules and the regulations and the this and the that. That is designed, in the, as far as they are concerned, to continue to brainwash people and, and keep a certain level of interest, which means you distracted. You think Rich Eisen knows that there were no planes on 9-11? I don't think so. I don't think so. So that's my two cents on, on the sports and the backsliding. I, I think it's gross. You know, I'll always kind of think that it's gross now. Again, you cross that bridge, there's no going back. There really isn't. And uh, yeah, so I just wanted to mention that very quickly, although that took a while. So my apologies, but yeah, that's the way that it is. And it's, uh, I think it's jacked up. Too bad they put their effort and their attitude and uh, their yelling and their stomping and all this other stuff into kids' games like that. Again, I, I don't mean to offend anybody when I'm saying that, but it's just not for me. I don't do it. I gave it up a long time ago, and I'm, I'm never going back to it because I know, I know it's a ritual, and it's not a good one. Not to mention, you've heard me bring up in the past, I've read the books about the sports betting and the gambling and the ties to the mob and the whole thing. I mean, you read those, you can't, you can't go back to watching sports. You know, Go outside, read a book under a tree, <laughs> you know, things like that. It seems like time time well spent in other directions. Okay, shifting gears, let me revisit something that I mentioned in the last episode about the workforce housing. Here was a post, again, that was on greatawakening.win, and it said the following. And In fact, someone in the comments section did mention that they heard the Hawaiian governor talk about workforce housing and actually use that term. Here's what the post said. It said when the Hawaiian governor and Maui mayor use the term workforce housing, they mean, and then it continues, quote, apartments for everyone, not single family dwellings, not necessarily affordable apartments either. And it's because affordable apartments, as they say, is a different meaning. They say work, workforce housing is non-subsidized, full price, market rate apartments. They plan to take the people's land and then build them clustered apartments on a bus line with quote-unquote mixed-use rental space for small businesses, 
on the first floor. This is not what the people had before. This is a land grab by the wealthy and government colluding together to take what is not theirs. And then, of course, there was that audio that I played in the last uh, in the last episode where the guy is d- describing essentially the liquid nature of what they deem to be workforce housing. And he openly says, well, it's not the same with everybody and it doesn't mean the same thing, but basically it means this. We're going to charge you based on your income. We're going to charge you a certain amount of rent based on whatever kind of income you have. It, uh, I think it's gross. Again, that's putting it mildly and not very intelligent analysis there, but uh, I agree. It is a land grab, and this is working its way again toward communism and certainly communistic living, which I also find disgusting, but I understand that certain people have certain means and they have to live certain ways. The question people have to ask themselves is, is for whom are, are these workforce housing units really for? Because it kind of sounds like the 15-minute city thing right in front of everybody's face. Everybody's going to live in the same area. It's going to look exactly the same. Same, 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 same. And then what? Everybody's got Wi-Fi through the whole building. Everybody's being radioactive. Uh, you know, Everybody's walking around glowing because of all of the Wi-Fi. And a thousand other things. The 5G tower that's in the parking lot and whatever else. It just seems like, again, another shell game. It's just another shell game to get people to look over here, and while we use these words over here, don't worry, we'll manipulate things over here. And then, oh, by the way, if we stop using these words over here, we'll just change those words and you won't be the wiser. I mean, it really is remarkable. It's just remarkable and disgusting. So I hope that the people of Hawaii and these other places still don't put up with this. I hope that they do whatever they can to keep this from happening. Uh, I don't know what that's going to entail, but they're going to have to stand up sometime. I mean, they already are, certainly from a verbal standpoint, but a time's going to come when a backhoe is going to show up and they're going to have to make a decision. Are they going to put themselves in front of the tank like Tiananmen Square or uh, you know, are they just going to just yell and shout and just keep doing that while these 15-minute-like cities continue to to pop up, and these smart cities continue to pop up. This is not a good thing. Okay, shifting gears again here. Now into education. I've got some audio that I want to play. This came from a local news affiliate, but the story itself, of course, was on Gateway Pundit. It's titled FBI and IRS Launch Coordinated Raid on Duval Teachers Union office in Jacksonville, Florida, and authorities are tight-lipped about what's going on in their investigation. Okay. I'm going to play the audio here. We have a pretty good idea as to what's going on. It's probably COVID money-related. This isn't the first school district to do this. They're not going to be the last. They've been scraping off the top for a very long time, mismanaging the books, again, taking money. Like I laid out in the last episode, you can't give that much money to these corrupt individuals and have them not misappropriate it. It comes with the territory. This, again, was government making more work for themselves, but of course, what, it's, what is it really doing? It's making more government. They're having to employ more people. They're having to have them do more things, and so on and so on. So give this audio a listen regarding this particular case, again, out of Jacksonville, Florida. 
News for Jack Sanger, Tarek Miners here with reaction to the FBI's presence at Union headquarters and more of what he's learned. Tarek. Well, the FBI and IRS agents, they arrived at the Duval Teachers United building off of Atlantic Boulevard yesterday morning, and they left several hours later carrying boxes of business materials, paperwork, computers. We've heard from various sources throughout the day who tell me that federal investigators are looking, to, looking into how the union has been handling its money. It was business as usual today inside Duval Teachers United, where inside employees of the private nonprofit told News for Jacks they continue to work to provide the best education for all Duval County teachers and students. But just a day earlier, there was a flurry of activity. FBI and IRS agents seizing what appears to be computers, business materials, and dozens of boxes. Look closely at this box of evidence labeled DTU credit card statements. News for Jacks has learned the raid involves the potential misappropriation of funds. The federal investigation catching everyone off guard. I'm absolutely baffled. I, I was astonished. This woman who News for Jacks isn't identifying says she's a member of Duval Teachers United and says she's been pleased with the work they've been doing to improve both students and teachers' learning conditions. Possible criminal activity is the last thing she expected. And I was shocked because um, they usually represent us really well. So... We don't know. We'll find out. News for Jacks reached out to the Duval Teachers Union president, but we have yet to receive a response. It remains unclear what the scope of the investigation is and who federal authorities suspect of committing a crime. So late this afternoon, the Duval Teachers United Union did issue this statement saying we continue to be focused on upholding our mission of supporting our members and the students we serve. We are fully cooperating with authorities and anticipate a full and thorough assessment of the facts. To respect the integrity of the process, we will not discuss any further details. I also spoke with attorney Hank Cox, who showed up yesterday at the Duval Teachers United building during the FBI raid. He would not tell me who he is representing and what the allegations are. He basically told me he was not commenting at all. So a teachers union associated with a Jacksonville school district is probably stealing money. You know, news at 11. Our next story, water wet. It's unbelievable, but it's not unbelievable. I mean, this is par for the course. This is exactly what most of them do, certainly the larger ones. And this isn't, I mean, it wasn't a big building. It was a rather small little office, but that's all it takes. All it takes is a couple of people wanting to steal money. They see all that cash coming in from the federal government. Hey, you know, all that COVID dough. You got to get you got to get a slice of that money. Everybody just seems to be stealing from everybody. And government continues to be stolen from by the citizens who are criminals of course, and then at the exact same time, government retaliates by calling us all terrorists. Which leads me to this. This is the next related thing. Homeland Security awards 20 million dollars to police mental health networks, universities, churches, and school districts to help identify Americans as potential extremists. Again, the very name of the Department of Homeland Security pretty much proves that as long as we, citizens here on our homeland, say something or do something that is not illegal but something that the DHS disagrees with, then we become the enemy. 
So they become the terrorist organization. We view them as such, but ultimately they view us as being the terrorist organization. Now, let me get into this article briefly. It's remarkably lengthy, and I'm certainly not going to read the whole thing. But the DHS, again, had a 2023 grant program, and it lays these out as the following priorities. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, There's five bullet points here. The first one is implementing prevention capabilities in small and mid-sized communities. The next one is advancing equity in awards and engaging underdeserved communities in prevention. The third one, addressing online aspects of targeted violence and terrorism. See what I mean? Your online posts. I hope they're listening to this show. Keep it up, fellas. You're doing a bang-up job. I'm being sarcastic, of course. The next one says prevention, I'm sorry, preventing domestic violent extremism. Ooh. And then the last one, enhancing local threat assessment and management capabilities. According to them here, it says there's a list of 34 organizations on the receiving end of the latest round of grants in alphabetical order with the information coming directly from the abstracts listed on the DHS's website. Boise State University, they're receiving Type 1 and Type 4 training, which is Raising Societal Awareness and Youth Resilience Program. They're getting $265,000 for this. Grades 8 through 12, age 6 through, uh, I'm sorry, ages 13 through 18, and adult learners. Secondary education programs. The Cherokee Nation is next. They're getting $290,000 for the Raising Societal Awareness and Understanding Violent Content. Again, education stakeholders are receiving a great deal of this. That involves, of course, the public, private, and charter sections of things. The Colorado Information Analysis Center, or Colorado Department of Public Safety, they're getting all of them, all these types of training, it seems, certainly type 1, 3, 5, and 6. And they're getting uh, $775,720. Connecticut Center for School Safety and Crisis Prevention. Western Connecticut State University, they're getting $362,655, and that just happens to do with Threat Assessment and Management Team. Now, I'm going to make a comment here. If the federal government and DHS, which we know are directly involved in these fake shootings and certainly aware of these fake school shootings and all this other nonsense, they're probably, I mean, they're clearly bankrolling many of these, we have to assume. And they're certainly scripting all of it because they're trying to make it look like they're they're doing something to help. Isn't it conceivable that they would just keep doing what they're doing because it's working generally? I mean, it's brainwashing the public into believing that the more government intervention they have at university settings and K-12 settings, the better they're going to be. Again, this was the basis of my entire dissertation. My literal dissertation, this was it, that violence prevention programs don't work, none of them do, because all of them are built on the basis of lies and money and and, and that level of corruption. That when you have government involvement, that means that government is going to bankroll the, the false flag, 
and they're going to script the entire thing. But don't worry, the schools receive the money in advance before anybody gets fake shot. I'm telling you, the clock is ticking here on another on another school-related false flag where the media is just going to dive in headfirst. They haven't gotten their script yet, I don't think. But it's only a matter of time before it happens because you can't have all of these education avenues receiving this amount of money. In Washington alone, formerly Washington, D.C., they're receiving $1.185 million for Type 1, Type 2, Type 3, and Type 4 programs. We haven't seen a mass shooting in a Washington, D.C. school, have we, in quite some time, if ever? What if they're, the, what if they're, uh, you know, they're in line to be the next script for something that occurs here? Hampton University. They're receiving $150,000 for raising societal awareness. The list here is endless. John Jay College. Let me just go through them. Michigan State Police. Michigan Intelligence Operations Centers. Wasn't Michigan State the scene of that alleged fake shooting of students by a complete stranger in uh, the dead of night on campus during like whatever it was, so the, you know, within the student center? Well, they're getting $425,845. Minnesota Department of Public Safety and the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension, they're getting over $700,000, Minneapolis Health Department, $287,000 and change. Mississippi Office of Homeland Security, $658,000 and change. It's almost like they're just printing the money off. New York Division of Homeland Security and Emergency Management, $296,000 and change. One World Strong, whatever the hell that is. Oh, it's Boston, uh, it's Boston-based, apparently. They're getting $1,140,000 and change for all seven, I'm sorry, for all eight types of training. All but, all but type three, apparently. The Palm Beach Sheriff's Office, $600,000. Parents for Peace. 832,000. Search for Common Ground, whatever that is. A multi-faith Neighbors Network, sounds like human trafficking and illegal aliens. They're getting half a million dollars. Sexual Minority Youth Assistance League, half a million. And change. University of Buffalo and the Alberti Center for Bullying Abuse Prevention, 233,000, almost 234,000 and change. University of California, Irvine. Uh, yeah. 684,000 and change. University of Colorado, Denver, 606,000. University of Illinois, University of Texas, El Paso, University of Vermont, Urban Rural Action, Xavier University, very close to me. They're only getting 54,000. Oh, that's too bad. That means it's going to go right into one person's pocket. And that one person is going to deliver professional development on providing all children with a safe learning environment and blah, blah, blah. American University Polarization and Extremism Research and Innovation Lab, 784,000. Columbia, Boston, uh, John McCain Institute, 770,000. The list is endless. University of Colorado in Boulder, 868,000. University of North Dakota, 386,000. I'm exhausted. 
I'm exhausted. Can you see the crime? Why are they doing this? Let's put our thinking caps on one more time. Why are they doing this? Why is Homeland Security doing this at the university setting? Because they're in on it. It's the number one indoctrination place that exists in America, the education apparatus. We know it's a torture institution. We know they don't tell the truth about their curriculum or anything else, and you need the brainwashed to teach the brainwashed. And now they're being flooded with money by none other than the Department of Homeland Security. Why is it so expensive to indoctrinate people into believing things that aren't real? And what, of course, is that really going to entail? It's more of a security state. They're paying these universities and incentivizing them to create more of a prison environment than the one that already exists. That way, when they carry out their next false flag, and they will, there is a three-letter agency that we should put a giant red flag right through the chest of, and that is the Department of Homeland Security. So this is going to happen in the future. When it does, I, of course, will be covering that story and analyzing it the best that I can. But that right there, that should tell you, DHS is in on this. They're in on it. They were probably involved with Uvalde, the fake Nashville thing, certainly Sandy Hook. The list is frankly endless, but there you go. At least there is some good news at the university level, a little bit. Anyway, here. Um, this was from thepostmillennial.com. It is titled Renowned Criminology Professor Who Proved, quote unquote, that systemic racism exists, was fired for faking the data, and study has been retracted, and his studies, plural, have been retracted. It says the damage to the standing of the university, and in particular the College of Criminality and Criminal Justice, and its faculty approaches the catastrophic, uh, that doesn't make any sense, and may be unalterable. Okay. Uh, let me see here. We are talking about Florida State University. Eric Stewart, 51, a now former criminology professor at Florida State University in Tallahassee, is now out of work due to extreme negligence in his research. And it says, according to Google Scholar, student, uh, Stuart rather, and his work were cited over 8,500 times by other researchers. Now the W.E.B. Du Bois Fellow at the National Institute of Justice is out of a job on account of extreme negligence and incompetence. Excellent. They're going to have to get rid of more people than just him, ladies and gentlemen. Do you have any idea the amount of research and books that have been written on things that aren't even real? I mean, let's go after the diversity, equity, and inclusion nonsense, can we? How about anybody who's ever written a paper on systemic racism? Can we go after them too? Or is it just hands-off and they're just using this one person as the example? It says the following here too. It says, Retraction Watch, uh, which is apparently an organization, obtained the termination letter from the university which said that due to Stewart's conduct, decades of research previously thought to be at the forefront of the field of criminology has been shown to contain numerous erroneous and false narratives. No kidding. It says in the uh, July 13th letter that informed Stewart of his termination, FSU Provost James J. Clark wrote, quote, 
the details of problematic data management, false results, and numerous publication retractions have negatively affected the discipline on a national level. Yeah. Clark told that Stewart's actions had also impacted the recruitment of students and faculty, and now that the university's researchers are concerned that their papers will not be published in major journals writing in the termination letter. Even though it says ladder, whatever. Uh, it continues, it says the damage to the standing of the university, in particular the College of Crimin uh, Criminology and Criminal Justice and its faculty, approaches the catastrophic. Uh, again, this person can't talk. Approaches the catastrophic and may be unalterable. They added the following, quote, I do not see how you can teach our students to be ethical researchers or how the results of future research projects conducted by you could be deemed as trustworthy, adding that six of the studies had been retracted while his other work was in doubt, quote unquote. Oh, the irony. <laughs> I mean, the irony. That a provost would make a statement like that about a professor who's writing about the things that he's writing about, and it just so happens to be false. Like I said, you're going to have to fire most of your staff. You're going to have to fire yourself. Because if you're going along with it, thinking that systemic racism is real, well, who's to blame then? Who's really to blame? Even with the systemic racism thing aside, think for a minute about the COVID, the COVID nonsense and the whole COVID lie. Well, we think that COVID means coronavirus disease 2019, and let's write a bunch of papers about that. That's not what it stands for. We think that uh, the, the people who deny the realities of COVID are an abomination, and let's write a paper about it. That's not true either. But this right here again, I mean, they're going to have to fire. If this is, if this is the precedent now, they're going to have to start firing everybody, aren't they? All the diversity, equity, and inclusion liars and all the COVID liars and the, you know, the vaccines are effective. All those articles that say that and all the professors who have written things about that, masks work. We aren't child abusers because we were forcing students to wear masks. We were taking precautionary measures. Aren't you going to have to fire those people too? The hypocrisy, um, you know, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. So that leads me, I guess, into the jab talk. Nice little segue there, I suppose. A uh, couple of things right off the top here. First of all, I wish Sherry Tenpenny the best. Apparently, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny has had a stroke. I assume it's not too severe. Of course, all strokes are serious. Um, she's chalking it up to stress, certainly, and related to the um, suspension of her medical license. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna criticize anything necessarily. I, I do wish her the best. I do know, of course, that again, with all due respect, Dr. Tenpenny is, uh, you know, a larger woman. I don't know how much she exercises or things of that nature. Um, but I, I do know that stress can play a role on having a stroke as well. With that said, I actually th got to thinking about this even with, with that aside for a minute. It, it does make one wonder also about the use of all of these medications that have come out over the last couple of years and have come to our attention, like the hydroxychloroquines and the ivermectins and whatever. 
basically that the sudden use of those drugs, in particular for a preventative measure or a prophylactic, whether or not that would have a negative effect on the circulatory system as well, um, or certainly, again, just the entire body. I, I'm not sure. I, I do recall her saying with regularity that she would say, you know, I'm flying from this point to this point, and I'm going over here, and I'm going over there, and I'm giving this talk and this speech, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. And then she would say that she's going to load up on ivermectin and take it beforehand, and same thing with hydroxychloroquine and whatever else. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, is that, is that really what we need to be doing? I mean, do we really need to be taking these kinds of drugs with regularity when we're either not sick or about to be around people? You know, I, I don't know. And I don't know if that contributed or not. Again, I'm just, I'm opining here. But uh, yeah, I do know that she's uh, a workaholic to some extent. She's, she works tirelessly. She, of course, writes with regularity now on Substack. Um, sometimes they're brief articles and sometimes they're, they're longer. But, you know, she gives a lot of interviews and she's on a ton of podcasts. And, yeah, she's, she's overworking herself. So I wish her the best in her recovery. I hope she takes good care of herself in the future and, you know, slows down and slows down a little on her schedule because, again, there's a lot of us out there. We don't have to save the world one person at a time. We can do it as a collective, and everybody's certainly got a role to play. So, yeah, if people need to back off because of health-related reasons, and hopefully even before it reaches that point, then I, of course, always recommend that. But that's just my two cents. And again, I, I pray for her, and I, I wish her the best. There's also this, Renette Sunum. Bless her heart. Renette Sunum continues to do the good work that she's doing too. And as a result of all of that honest hard work, she and just about everybody else associated with the real America's frontline doctors, not the Simone Golds of the world, of course, but they're all being sued by Simone Gold, as it turns out, for the uh, approximate amount of $15 million. Now, this was, I heard about this, I think, at the end of last week, and my apologies for just now bringing it up, but. Um, even I, I watched Renette briefly describe it, and she said it's for defamation of character. Well, of course it's for defamation because that's what Simone Gold's good at, isn't it? Um, you know, she she makes fun of people herself when she gives speeches, and I don't know why so and so is making fun of me. I don't know why so and so is going after me, and blah blah blah. Uh, it's all pathetic, and she's doing it to cover her own backside because she's been caught. And so what is she doing? She's going after people for criticizing her because she's been caught. It's that simple. A judge scolded her in legal documentation for what she was doing regarding the misappropriation of funds. That's a legal document against Simone Gold. So keep up the good work, Renette. Uh, tear up that, uh, you know, you've been served and all those other papers that, that come with that. Uh, just tear them up. Who cares? Simone Gold's a lunatic and she's going to keep being a lunatic. And uh, hopefully one day she gets in front of a judge and, and somebody flat out says, you've misappropriated money. Uh, you're misleading people. It's beyond evident. And it's time for you now to go to jail. Hopefully that will happen someday. I'm not holding my breath. But uh, hopefully it does happen. Okay. Here's the huge thing, I think, although we saw this coming a mile away, shouldn't surprise anybody really, but the FDA has now approved their latest deadly jab. 
their updated Pfizer and Moderna vaccine, quote unquote, bioweapon, for COVID as prior formulations are deemed ineffective against emerging variant. Isn't that hilarious? They're saying there's a new variant out there now, and this is their entire fairy tale. Get everybody to take it just like the brainwashed would take a flu shot on a year in and year out basis. And this is their way again of attempting to normalize these COVID jabs right in line with a flu shot while the unsuspecting sheep have no idea that what they're actually receiving is the same shot more likely than not, allegedly, allegedly. Same poison in both, just a different label on each different vial. Again, it's only a matter of time before this makes its way into the American school system. It still has emergency use authorization, so it's not quote-unquote mandatory, but they're acting like there's an actual emergency, which of course there isn't. And it's an open admission that their past shots do nothing, other than their intended purpose, of course, which is to kill people who take it. That's it. So, there you go. There's the FDA hard at it again as they continue to normalize the insanity. There was also, of course, Dr. Lapido, if I'm saying his name correctly, the Surgeon General. I'm sorry, Latipo. There we go. Surgeon General of uh, the state of Florida saying that no one should take this new shot. Good for him. He's right. He's a little late, late to the party. Welcome to the party, pal. But, uh, you know, good for him. He's, I'm glad he said it, and hopefully others follow his lead. We know many won't. He stands out there alone in many cases, but, you know, at least, he's, at least he said it as casually as he said it. So he's not fully, again, this is not a guy who understands that viruses aren't real. This is a, this is a medical administrator. And uh, certainly when you hold that position, you're a medical administrator. You're not really a researcher. And you're not diving into the real history of medicine because that would involve a little more effort on his part to find out that uh, any and all vaccinations are all poison and are designed to destroy people's DNA and immune systems, which is what destroying your DNA does. I mean, that's the that's the entire trigger point. That's the whole that's the whole point. So, okay, there was this too. Naturalnews.com study links Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine to AIDS. I'm sorry, to VADS, it says, V-A-I-D-S, in children. It says, according to a study published in the peer-reviewed journals Frontiers, children vaccinated with Pfizer's Wuhan coronavirus vaccine eventually developed weakened immune systems and diminished immune response months after vaccination. The study was titled BNT162B2 COVID-19 Vaccination in Children Alters Cytokine Response in Heterologous, if I'm saying that right, Pathogens and Toll-like Receptor and uh, Agonists. There you go. I got it out. In fact, I think I've read that article, if I'm not mistaken, uh, quite some time ago. But either way, yeah. Vades in children as a result of the shots. And ladies and gentlemen, again, it's not just children. It's not just them. They're not the only ones receiving permanently damaged DNA and permanently uh, damaged immune systems as a result. As we know, 
It's everyone, whether they know it or not. This one comes from Not the Bee. It is titled, Cancer Rates in Young People Have Surged by Nearly 80% Study Finds. This was dated September 9th. Uh, cancer in under 50s surgery uh, surges by 79%, and they're blaming Western diet and alcohol. So saith this particular outlet, but that's not true. I'm not doubting, I should say, I should correct one thing. I'm not doubting that GMOs and massive alcohol consumption aren't contributing to cancer on the increase. I'm, I'm certain that they are, certainly among young adults as well. But we know that it's also jab related. This is jab related. Has to be. And it, it, and it can be more than one thing. But that's a massive increase. And again, what's, what's occurred over the last three years that would lead to such an increase? I think we have a pretty good idea. I think we know. Uh, I mentioned sports and the old sports ball stuff earlier. There's also this. Javon Parker, apparently a uh, former Baltimore Ravens defensive player, if I had to take a guess, or offensive lineman, one of the two, don't really care. It says the following, however, regarding his health. Rather young guy. This is a post that he made on August 4th of 2021 on Facebook where he said the following, quote, if you got your kids, I'm sorry, if you got kids and you are not getting vaccinated, you're a coward. I said it. I said it. I stand by it too, he said. Your number one job is to protect your kids. I will put my life on the line for any one of mine. One, if you're, oh, he says one, comma, if your dumbass gets sick and die, then you kid, then your kid is now, I'm sorry, it's hard to read people who can't speak the English language, let alone write it. So my apologies. Um, I'm not the one. I'm actually trying to read his post, which is very difficult. <laughs> so, sorry. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, can, can we have a complete sentence, please? Um, so, sorry. Continuing, I digress. He says, then your kid is now without a parent traumatized and afraid. Two, you do not know what the long-term effects of getting COVID will do to your young babies. So you are playing with their quality of life by playing Russian roulette. So there I said it, or something along those lines, and then it cuts off. Oh, the irony. Oh, how these people have been tricked. See how Satan works? See, he's saying that about us, but we're saying the same thing about him. Yes. As a parent, it is your responsibility to protect your children. That includes from complete strangers on your TV. The medical industry, your own, your own family doctor, and government. Because they're all working together against you. And they want you to kill your kid without even knowing it. So this just happened to Javon Parker. Here's a post on August 11th of this year. Quote, after just surviving life or death situation with a pulmonary embolism in both lungs. I'm so grateful for this life. 
I'm thankful I listened to the Holy Spirit tugging on me to go instead of trying to tough it out. It was literally the reason I'm still alive. Fellas, we gotta stop trying to tough things out. Go to the doctors. See your primary care every six months. We die early because we don't take care of the little things. I will move forward with an amazing health regimen, uh, re- regimen, as he says. Time to grow up and take command of my health. Praying you all do the same. Life is too precious. Unquote. So he's probably going to get the new shot, and he's going to be dead. So keep that in mind going forward if you hear of the funeral or passing of a Javon Parker. Good luck, homie. I don't think you're going to make it. That's just my two cents. What do I know? I'm only a doctor. Moving on. Not a medical one, of course, but don't have to be. I have a brain. Don't have to be a doctor either. Don't have to have any degrees. There's a thing called common sense and a lack of trust. And if you have both of those and a little little bit of God on your side, well, you're going to be just fine. Let me read this in conclusion, and this will wrap up the episode. Here was a post on greatawakening.win. Rather interesting bit of an awakening story. It says the following, quote, It may be time to try again with those you haven't been able to reach in the past. This time, you may get some better results. This is, that's the, that was the title. Here's what they said. Quote, So I had to share my thoughts as I had another ray of hope, another sign of relief in my circle of family and friends. I was talking to a beloved family member who I'd tried, who I'd tried in the past unsuccessfully to dissuade from the jabs. She was, this time, going on about how so many people she knows are dying or sick, and I added some of my stories of people dying or becoming ill in the mix. I took a deep breath knowing I hadn't had any success in the past with her about this, and once again said that, quote, I truly believe this is due to those COVID shots and boosters, unquote. They said this time, the response made my heart sore. They said this time, she went on about how she agrees that she's not ever getting another shot or booster, and that she's praying to God that she and others in her family who took them will be okay. She said how people were making money, said crooked politicians and investors, off pushing this while others are getting sick and dying. Gets better. She went on to complain that this country is screwed up, ridiculous things are happening, and then said, quote, we need Trump back in office, unquote, and asked if I knew about what they're trying to do to stop him. She wants to talk again. She had company there, so we were limited in time. I can't even tell you how relieved I am, how thankful to God for this. What seemed to move the veil from her eyes is the sickness slash death, the obvious financial conflicts of interest by those pushing this poison, the economy with prices skyrocketing, the obvious ludicrousness in government policies, quote-unquote, and blatant attacks on Trump by a rabid, corrupt DOJ. Everyone goes at their own pace. 
but conditions may be ripe for you to try again and those you've been unsuccessful with in the past. They said, my advice, take it slow, don't push, let them lead, and if the opportunity arises, try to interject a red pill. Don't try to shove too many down their throats at once. Sync up, bond, add a pill or two, and if you can, and then see if you can go for another red pilling session in the near future. At least that's my strategy. I also plan on using this interaction to help sway others, quote, you know, XX. Well, even they refuse to take another shot or booster. So many people she knows are dying, unquote. That's an excellent strategy. I'm going to repeat that. What they're basically saying is, is they're saying, use the, use the individual stories that, that you heard in your own life and say, hey, again, have you heard of this person or that person? Well, they're sick because of the shots. The shots did that to them. The COVID shots, you know, the shots that you took. I mean, that's basically what they're saying. So use those particular stories to, uh, you know, to, to, to break down barriers, essentially, and, and certainly try to wake some people up, even if they are jabbed. Um, and again, you have to know the people, people's temperament, of course. If they don't want to hear any of this, well, you know, too bad for them. But that's not a bad strategy. Just pile it on with people that are in the limelight or people that they might, uh, you know, recognize. They wrapped up and they said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Q team, Trump, and all patriots standing firm and fighting those helping each other by lifting spirits, spreading truth, shining the light into the darkness. We have a long way to go, but I'm praying daily for not only my beloved, but for all of our beloved family members uh, and friends and all good people here in the States and across the globe. Lord, thank you, unquote. Very good. I'm glad it worked for them and is waking them up. Again, they're jabbed, but we can still pray for these people. I'll end with this, actually. I recommend you go and you listen to the Dangerous Info podcast where Robin McCutcheon was on recently. This was Monday's Monday night's episode of Jesse James and Outcast. At the 39-minute mark, Outcast tells a story about his brother and how his brother tore his aorta doing pull-ups. Now, I don't know if his brother is jabbed or not. Uh, that's not my business. But it seems like a, a, a horrible accident, clearly. Certainly something that's remarkably freakish. Either way, um, his brother is alive and is recovering, which is great, and had to be flown to the University of Michigan to receive this surgery, which apparently was the only place in Michigan that, uh, that, that does this kind of surgery from this up-and-coming doctor. With that aside, what Outcast describes regarding what's going on in the hospital environment is incredible. His ob- I mean, he has observational skills without a doubt, and, and his, uh, his observations of what was going on within the hospital environment, again, is remarkable. So I highly recommend going over there and checking that out. He begins his story at the 39-minute mark of Monday night's episode. So there you go. And again, all the best to him and his family and his brother and all their loved ones. I hope he does recover and, uh, and everything turns out A-OK. So with that said, everybody, I'll catch you on Friday. Peace.
Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.